Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Ben Ramos. He is the owner of Flow Force Rehab in San Diego, California. This is his third time on the podcast. We had a fantastic conversation. I'm just going to jump right into it. Here we go. people adequately and be a husband adequately because like I've been really kind of burning the candle at both ends which is really funny because I um, wrote a 12-week workout program that helps uh, first responders and shift workers recover from chronic stress and then the way that I sell that is like the same way that drug companies do right hey are you burned out Hey, are these your symptoms of, you know, and then I'm just like, it's me. I need to do my own thing. (laughs) I know. So that's just where I'm at right now. You know, I hear you you 100%. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it's good, man. Um, So then, you know, trying to figure out how to market that while trying to figure out how to market my business and, you know, there's a lot of trying that has to happen, man. It's like, sometimes you just kind of get worn out and beat up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My brain's like super tired. And so, you know, now that I know that I have you coming on the podcast, I'm like, shit. So he's going to go deep and I got to get ready. (laughs) How do you know I'm going deep, bro? (laughs) Hey man, because, um, I know we're going deep because I'm asking you about deep stuff. And so, you know, like uh, the Facebook post I made the other day. So first I would like to publicly tell you how much I appreciate you as a person and as a friend and uh, because, you know, my Facebook post was aimed towards people that I'm friends with and have been friends with for a long time who just constantly are posting on Facebook, oh, my God, these shots aren't working and, oh, my God, these pills aren't working. And I'm like, it's because you're not doing anything about it. Like, so, you know, just like any kind of manual therapy or whatever it is, you need to address the issue. Like it's not getting rid of your pain. It's just masking the pain temporarily, giving you a window of opportunity to address the issue. And then I forget that I'm also friends with high level practitioners such as yourself and Ben Stevens to where you guys are like, actually, that's not true. And I'm like, oh, hey, (laughs) 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 these guys are here too. (laughs) That's awesome. So now I get to learn, you know what I mean? So not I mean, I, I knew exactly what you were saying and yeah. I knew exactly who it was guided to. And I have those same feelings within the context that you were saying. Right. right? But then it was like, you know me, man, like yeah. my brain goes and, 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 and since we have such a good relationship, I feel open to, you know, right. have that conversation and talk more on that side. And so then I, I, you know what I mean? And so it's like, right. it's not even just me. It's not like I'm even trying to like, 
throw something at you in the conversation. It's more me brain vomiting via text message, as you know I do, via right. via my thumb. And uh, and it was more like, you know, the conversation, yeah, so. And, so, was, and I really appreciate that because then, you know, it, you know, especially on with, uh, with Ben Stevens saying like, uh, so basically I need to be more thoughtful about what I'm putting out there because, you know, like I have to put the whole context out there instead of just my frustration, bleh. like I'm tired of you talking about pain. So here's an example. So um, the lady that I go and get my teeth cleaned by for six years, she's been cleaning my teeth. And for six years, she's been complaining about pain. And so finally, the last time I go in, I'm like, you know what this is like? And she's like, what? It's like, you go to a party, you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time. And they're just like, oh, I've had this tooth pain for six months. And I just don't know what to do. And you're like, you're talking to a dentist. <laughs> but come on. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, so um, that's what I wanted to like kind of unpack with you a little bit because, you know, your, uh, your brain vomits like help me understand what I'm talking about better. And then it's also good in that public context to where people that are looking at my posts and then people are looking at your response and then my response to your response are, are getting educated while I'm getting educated. And so I think it's good all the way around. You know what I mean? So I think, um, so I think I wanted to talk about a majority of this podcast is just like pain, like what it is and, um, how people can effectively use these different modalities to help get them out of pain and keep them out of pain. Because, you know, the way that, the way that cortisone shots are distributed in my community is just like, here, this will solve it. And I'm, I keep telling people, it's like if your dog poops on the floor and you cover up with newspaper, is it gone? Cause I think it's still there. And then eventually you have a bigger problem because you're just not feeling the pain that's being presented by whatever it mechanism is causing it. Mm -hmm. Well, let me preface the conversation by saying that um, I may say a whole lot of things that are wrong. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to, we're just going to flow. And, yeah. and I might say a lot of things that are wrong and I might have a different opinion in, you know, by the end of my cup of coffee. Right. So, um, <laughs> um, so well, I, I mean, I, I just like to always start off with that because, you know, like, as you know, like I, I don't, um, I don't present, I don't teach courses. I don't have a podcast. I don't have anything like that. You know what I mean? So yeah. I like to think of just, I'm just sitting here in my hole as a practitioner um, on the front lines, right. you know, and, and, and just trying to navigate my way here. And so I think that's where just to preface the conversation for everybody that's listening, that's, that's where my thought process is coming from because that's the only playground I play in, right. you know? Um, and that's, so, the, that's the same on my end. Right. So like, and that's why I have this podcast so that I can, so that I can learn and then at the same time, everybody else can learn. And so if, and so the way that I think is why not just share this conversation because we only have epic conversations. Like, <laughs> like, like I've never sat down with you and talked to you about clouds and grass or something. You know what I mean? It's only like super epic. And then there's sometimes where you're on a roll and I'm like, Oh shit. 
Should we record this? Like, or take notes? Of what am I doing? You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Share it with the world. So, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about cortisone shots first because I think that's really important for everybody to kind of understand. Okay. So, I mean, I guess the first place that I like to start when talking about cortisone shots is it's it's not in either one of our scopes of practice, yeah. right? Right. And so, like it's it's we we should understand when there is a possibility that that would be a solution or 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 not you yeah. know but we don't make that recommendation and we don't for or against right right because that's just not our place right um, and um i mean that's just the initial that that's where the conversation has to be grounded from just because of the fact that there are people that it's for now um, I think that it's easy for us as, as conservative people, conservative practitioners, uh, I might get in trouble for saying conservative people nowadays, uh, conservative <laughs> practitioners, okay? Um, it's, it's easy for us to get caught up in our own hype of cortisone shots don't work because the fact of the matter is, is our bias is geared towards people who are coming to us oftentimes who cortisone shots did not in fact work. Right. Right. So that's our sample size. A lot of the time, um, you know, the people who got cortisone took a cortisone shot and it worked. Yeah. They don't need to come. Yeah. We don't, we don't know them because <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? they don't need us. You're right. Right. And, 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 and granted uh, when I, when I talk about as far as them being affected um, it, it, it's all context dependent, man. Cause a cortisone shot is not a pain shot. It's, it's meant to decrease inflammation, right? right? Cortisone shot or any kind of corticosteroid or whether you're talking about a cortisone shot or a medrol dose pack, right? This is a specific conversation based around a decrease in inflammation for a specific context, a specific situation, but it's just a tool, right? right? It's, it's inert, right? Yeah. It's not good or bad. It's in the context of which it's used, whether it's um, misused or used in the right scenario that sees whether or not that cortisone shot or that medrol dose pack was good or bad. And there's a, there's, there's scenarios where they are definitely indicated and it's unfortunate, but we have to know when and how to navigate it in order to steer people in those directions. Um, and I, I do it. I don't, I don't do it like all the time, but I mean, in the last month, I've probably referred people out for a pharmacological intervention, maybe five times. Yeah. And it depends on how severe things get, man. Cause sometimes it's just indicated and, um, and you know, we just, we just got to go there, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's a, and so the way that they work is in reality, how we're working also to where we're just like, let's see if this does something, you know what I mean? Well, it depends. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it's, if, and when I say refer out to them, um, I, I, I do not see, I don't actually see, maybe it's just the sample size I have and the practitioners that I've been referred to. I don't see a lot of people getting cortisone shots in joints. Yeah. Right. Um, much anymore. Um, what I'm talking about mostly is for lumbar or lumbar or cervical radiculopathies. Right. Right. And, and same with medrol dose packs. You know, that's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm referring out. And that's, and that's what usually is going on as far as cortisone shots in joints. I think that the, literature is pretty well established that from a long-term perspective that can be very worrisome that can that can create more problems downstream um but um you know there is there is the potential i i i do know like like say for instance um somebody that has rheumatoid arthritis right 
you know, and how severe it is and when there's quality of life issues. Now, again, out of my league. Like, right. I don't know when to make that call, when not to make that call, but uh, a rheumatologist does, you right. know, um, if they're a good one. So the, um, just to preface that, when I, when I speak from that, I'm like, damn, man, like, I talk more from a radiculopathy standpoint. And again, that's just another bias I have from the lens, from what I see, the, the place that I live, you know? Yeah. And so I, um, when I finished the clinical neurodynamics course, I had like literally everybody that came in that week needed that stuff and, <laughs> and I'm like shit. And so the, like the one thing that I got from it, um, is it's a great way for me to establish if it's within my pay grade or not. You know what I mean? Can I help oh, you with yeah. this? You know what I mean? So, and that's a, so that's something that I really appreciated from his course is he's saying, this isn't the end all be all to everything. So if you do a neurodynamics test and it turns up negative, then you can use manual therapy to help this person. But for me, if I start working on somebody and the neurodynamics helps them, then great. But if not, then it's above my pay grade and I refer out to somebody, you know what I mean? So then, um, but then that's where I started to really understand what a radiculopathy is because I heard uh, both you and um, Seb talk about it all the time. And I'm like, what is that exactly? And, you know, then I go to this course, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And so he, he breaks it down pretty damn good. He, yeah, he does. He's and a great instructor. He is a really great instructor. And man, let me tell you that four days in a row. I was like half brain dead trying to drive home from Phoenix that two and a half hours. It was oh, really man. hard. And then, but like I said, I needed it really bad just that week. I had all kinds of people coming in yeah. presenting with all that stuff. Um, and so it really is a missing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Most people don't realize that when they, when they understand a little bit better, the impact of, you know, um, peripheral neurology um, and, 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 you know, pain or, or any uh, tightness or, or however it represents itself as a, as an issue, you know, in yeah. the body that we normally see. Um, yeah. It's really interesting, man. And then you start really you know, like, once you like get a grip on that a little bit more, you're like, Holy shit. Yes. Like, <laughs> I yeah. was, I was, you know, it, it, I was missing a lot. It, it, I would say that neurodynamics, it, it, it's not even like, I personally don't actually use it as a treatment tool yeah. very often as far as like people hear neurodynamics and they think sliders, they think tensioners, they right. think, they think I'm, I'm flossing nerves. Right. That's what they think neurodynamics is. Neurodynamics is just an understanding of the, uh, the, the biomechanics, the, the biomechanics of nerves, right. Of the peripheral neural of, of the nervous system, the biomechanics of it and the physiology of it and the potential impact it can have and determining whether or not there is or is not a uh, quote unquote neurodynamic influence in the presentation that patient has in front of you. Right? right. So the interesting is, is, is that I've, I've taken that course, uh, I think six times now. Well, no, no, no. I've taken the basis course five times and I've taken his advanced upper and lower once. Um, once uh, so one time I went to the basics as an attendee, the other four times I hosted and then I hosted and attended the advanced course. And I actually don't use neurodynamics as a treatment 
very often. As far as what's associated with calling it neurodynamics, I don't use sliders and tensioners as a treatment very often. Um, I use the knowledge of how to apply it and test for it, right? I use more than anything, I use offloaders, you know? Right. I use and offloaders, you know, and that's, and that's, you know, that's been the most effective technique from a treatment perspective, uh, from a treatment aspect, you know, that yeah. I learned from that course. Right. And that's a big thing too, that, um, the big takeaway that I learned from it was a majority of the time people have like chronic muscle tightness because the body's naturally trying to offload. Exactly. Like, like the, you know, like upper traps, um, -hmm. a pec minor, they're trying to offload the brachial plexus. And so why are we fighting it? Right. Right. Why are we trying to fight it? Why are we telling them to pack their shoulder? Why are we trying to force the scapula down? Um, why are we, you know, like, um, doing tissue work on this, um, well, we want to do tissue work on the muscle, but we're not trying to release the muscle so the shoulder can get down. We'll do tissue work so the muscle can relax. Well, let's tape that thing up right. so we can get that relief and the muscle doesn't have to be holding on for dear life the whole time. Right. And then just give them a solution to where if they're starting to feel the symptoms, they can offload it and feel better almost immediately. And so and do it all the time. Right. Whether, dude, whether or not you're feeling symptoms, if you have that going on, we determine within session that... Um, scapular elevation gives you relief. I will very like, dude, if, if dude, I'm like, give me the tape. <laughs> give, me the tape. I'm give you all the relief, at least for a, a little while. You know what I mean? Like, because the way the, the way, um, the way nerves respond, the way, uh, um, the way they respond. And if they are in fact inflamed, right. You remember nerves that are pissed off, don't like to be stretched. And when they are stretched, it affects the actual, um, the, the, Nervine of Orem, right? The, the, the neurovasculature of, of it all, right? right? And that creates a feed forward cycle because inflammation of the nerve causes, um, uh, causes the nerve to kind of swell, I guess we can say. When right. that, when that uh, inflammatory process occurs, it swells and it compresses the, the vasculature of the nerve itself, right? Releasing inflammatory uh, cytokines and creating a feed forward mechanism that causes more inflammation. So right. what we want to do is instead of stretching it, put some slack on it. Right. And yeah. so we get, essentially we're just letting the bad boy breathe a little bit more and giving it some space and letting it relax. Um, but man, like that's like, boom, you got a cervical radiculopathy or if you got this, whatever, if you've got nerve symptoms, we've confirmed it, all that goodness, man. Oh, we're going to scapula elevation more than likely. I'm going to end up taping your shoulder into elevation, which is totally counterintuitive to the way so many of us, myself included, would have naturally approached that thing based on our previous education. Right. And especially just coming from the remedial massage education, where if it's like super tight, just dig into that motherfucker. And you're like, no. Yeah. Yeah, man. So figure out why it's under threat. You know what I mean? So like everything is, so I look at everything as a threat response. So like, why is that under threat? Why is that muscle chronically tight? Why is that hypertonic? Because something's going on there and we need to figure out what it is. I'm not just going to dig my elbow in there because then that's causing more threat. Mm-hmm. And so then it's, uh, you know, just going, then you can just roll downhill based off of all that stuff and be like, so why are we doing this? So that's like a big thing that I have been applying to like my life, my coaching practice and my massage practice is why am I doing this? Like what's, what are we doing? And if you can't, explain to me why you're doing something, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. 
you know, so like, it's a, like same thing with a reverse lunge. Like, why are you doing a reverse lunge? Let's talk about it. Like, why are you digging? Why are you digging deep into that tissue? Let's talk about it. Like what's going on here? You know, well, I, I will say there is a time and a place, right. For, for spray and pray. You know what yeah. I mean? There's a time and place in that. You know what I'm saying? There's, yeah. a time, there's a time and a place for that. And, and, you know, if we've cleared out the red flags, we've cleared out the bit bag ugly things, we've cleared out all the potential things that can go wrong, right? right. And we have a good risk-reward ratio in our favor of reward. I'm digging it. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it happens, bro. Like, it's, yeah. it's natural. And, and more often than not, that's where we get to when we do apply that. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, it's like, oh, well, sometimes you just got to throw shit at the wall, see if it sticks, but you got to make sure that we're in fact throwing it at a wall, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, and it's, it always gives me comfort to like, especially with Michael Shacklock where he's talking about how he's constantly reading research and I'm like, cool. So this guy's been doing it forever and he's still constantly learning stuff. So, yeah. you know, he knows what's going on better than I do but he's still learning stuff. So I know more than some people. So we're just incrementally trying to get better every day. So if you just think about that, then, and you know, have like people approach their pain that way, then I think that that would help people out a lot more. Cause I have, so I've been running into this a lot where I'm so good at my job to where most of the time when people come in, Within one session, I can get them out of pain. And then if they, there's that one time where they come in and they're a lot more complicated and I can't fix them that one time and then they just don't come back. So that's like another thing that I've been really working on is like client retention and really um, education on their end to help them understand that sometimes when you come in, I'm not just going to do a one, one shot, one kill, quick fix. Like sometimes it's going to take multiple sessions in a row. And that's a, that's a really hard thing, especially with the, the societal narrative of I need everything right now and immediately, you know, with like Amazon yeah. prime delivery and all that stuff. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's, 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 that's your own doing more yeah. than society's doing. Um, and that comes back to setting expectations. Right. You know, um, and, and, and I do it, I, I, I do it too, bro. Like I yeah. get it, but I think it does definitely comes back to setting expectations. Right. Um, you know, like I, I hear you, dude. And I came out of, I came out of school and I came out of, you know, a lot, a lot of mentors where that was, it would rack our brains. And we clearly wanted to like, we were trying to do, we were only swinging for home runs and what, you know, and then you came to the end of an hour and a half, you know, right. and you've struck out a bunch, you know what I mean? It feels like shit, but guess what? Your patient knows that. You know, right. they can see the frustration in your eyes, you know, right. um, but the, um, but I think that comes back to, we have to observe the process as the scientific process, you know, when they come in the, 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 um, the history, the exam, everything that we find the treatment is it's, well, we're building a hypothesis and we're, we're performing an experiment based on the data that we've been given on and then um and then trying to see what the outcome is right and depending on the outcome we move forward with that or we run a we're always running little mini experiments and and, and i try to explain that to patients that way um and then you all dude 
out the gate, bro. I tell them, um, we're going to do some uh, exam. We're going to kind of take a look at some things, you know. Um, some of these tests may poke the bear a little bit. It's normal to feel worse later. It's normal to feel sore later. I say that right out the gate. Am I planning on making somebody sore later? I'm not planning on it one bit. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not at all wanting that to happen, but it can happen. And if it does happen and you don't preface that, they're going to freak out later, dude. They're going to be like, oh shit. Like, you know, my, oh, my body was pissed off. What happened? Something was wrong. But if you tell them, no, you might feel an uptick in pain. We're doing a lot of these tests that are kind of may provoke your symptoms, um, that they're prepared for it. You know, yeah. uh, I do. That's, it's super important, man. And, and the other part of it is, is, and that's how I explain it. I tell people like, what we're going to do is we're going to, what I want to do is I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be Sherlock Holmes here, you know, and find the one thing. Although, you know, the, the more we whittle it down, the better, but we're going to approach this as far as we're just, we're collecting data and I want to consistently collect data and we're going to make a plot graph and yeah. there's going to be all these little data points clustered on it. And we want to move in the proper direction of what the data tells us because right. everybody's different and things can change. Um, and so, and, and then I also try to keep my variables um, confined. I don't, I used to throw a lot at people in the beginning, man. Like I'm trying to just pile on value, right? Yeah. Just pile value, bro. Like I'm, you know, <laughs> we're going to spend a ton of time and I'm going to give them all this value because for some stupid reason, we all associate time and tricks, like just loaded up with different things as value, um, which I think is practitioner bias. That's egocentric rather than patient centered. Um, but I keep the variable small, variables small, so we can control for the variables and that way we continue to move in a more positive direction as far as understanding the, uh, the situation the person's in and, and, and as things progress, which direction we need to go in, you know? Right. Um, yeah. But to your, to your, what you, what you said about Michael Shacklock reading, reading research and stuff like that, I want to throw this out there too, because this is something that I've learned over time. When you say Michael Shacklock is reading research a lot and all the time, it's totally true. But Michael Shacklock is reading research within the realm of his expertise right. all the time. I've seen Michael Shacklock do exams on multiple people. And if it's not a neurodynamic problem, he tells them to go see somebody. Right. Because he doesn't play in that other game. He's like, you know, I expect, you know, uh, you probably, it's not a neurodynamic problem. It's, it's a good idea for you to go see somebody who can get you go, do, doing a, a movement, uh, a movement type of solution or whatever like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, which is, I think, where more in the direction I'm going into based on the people I'm seeing, like, why are people coming to me, man? Like people, people are coming to me generally for pain, you know, um, they're generally more often than not, they're coming for pain issues and they want to get out of pain and they want to return to a high level of function. Right. Um, so as much as I love strength and conditioning and as much as it is to my benefit to know, uh, a lot about it, right? I probably should be spending more time reading research and learning from people that are gonna help me focus on getting people out of pain, right? And increasing their function, right? right. And then sending them to somebody who can manage their, their S&C stuff or manage their training or, or, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I feel like that's, that's a problem that a lot of people have of trying to be everything because, um, 
we see people online that we assume are everything, you know, we yes. see the, you know, but anyways, but, and that's kind of, so then it's, I try to be as much as I can. I'm not trying to be everything. And like I said, if I am fully aware that something's above my pay grade, then I refer out no problem. But there's also, I'm on a little Island and I don't trust anybody else to do a lot of the stuff that I'm doing right within the confines of what that person needs and as for strength and conditioning or whatever the case may be, just because there's not, there's not as many high level people where I'm at. And so, you know, they're like, if I send somebody who um, has like lower back pain to somebody who does strength and conditioning to do more core stability and more, strengthening or whatever they need in that area they're just gonna and they just make them do like three rep max deadlifts that's not gonna be good you know what i mean i'm like what are we doing why is that why is that a thing so yeah you know sometimes i feel like as i'm uh spreading myself a little thin but i think it's worth it in the end to just kind of have an understanding of what i'm doing and like i said if i need to refer out i refer out um but it's uh yeah, it's a that's skill and that, that process navigating that is a skill. And that's what I think is missing from a lot of, and that is, first of all, they don't fucking teach you that in school. No. You know? And, and nobody even likes to talk about those scenarios when they're referring and, and nobody, how often do you hear people talking about how they build a relationship, how they build relationships with other professionals and yeah. how they navigate those relationships. You don't hear about it often. You do hear people talk about it. They're really good people, but you don't hear about it very often. People usually just spend their time talking about their wins, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so like, but, but that, that process of building a relationship with these other professionals and co-management and navigating that is first of all, it's hard, right? Yeah. But it's so important, dude. Like to me, I need more work there and I need more skill enhancement there than I need to know some new way to fucking push on somebody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and it would make me such a better practitioner if I spent more time there. I was having a conversation with somebody else. There's these little things that doesn't seem, it, it, it's like we work on skills. We work on knowledge of application. We don't spend enough time working on these other skills that are centered to what we do, right? right? Um, and we don't get better at them, you right. know? I don't, dude, I, dude, I, I'm, I'm telling you, man, and this is a problem that I have, dude. And this is, this is, this is a problem that I have that I, that I, that I realized more and more. I was having a conversation with, um, this guy, um, Geronimo, right. Yeah. Uh, awesome name. He's a, cool yeah. guy. Uh, he's actually a chiropractic student, a really smart guy. I was having a conversation with him and, uh, we were, anyways, we talk all the time. We spitball back and forth and, and stuff. He's a smart guy. And, yeah. uh, and, um, uh, I was talking about like he, he he's he's sometimes gets involved in myth busting, yeah. right? And we all see these guys online, you know. It's myth, a lot of myth busting, right? Whatever, right. fine. It's good. It's important. Some people, but but the, what I think is that uh, a good amount of it is, is is cool. You know, it needs to be done. But there's right. so many people out there that find it as a full time fucking job. Let them do it. Right. Or I, I'm at a point where I need to learn information and move on and learn more. Right. You know, um, I'm not good enough yet to be in a position where I'm just preaching for my soapbox. And so we were, I was talking about like, man, like, you know, that stuff already quit talking about it. 
Right. You know, you know that shit already. Like, let's talk about, uh, you, you want to talk about therapeutic alliance and how important that is. Cool. Let's talk about how do we connect with people? Right. Let's talk about building that, that relationship with the person in front of you. Yeah. Therapeutic alliance is important. It's a big thing. Therapeutic alliance. Everybody talks about that. And with regards to the biopsychosocial model and pain, nobody fucking talks about how do you actually build a relationship with various different types of people? Um, one of my mentors, Joab Nagar is a dude. He's badass with this. Like he actually, like he goes to seminars about to, to, um, with, with various professionals in there to learn how to build relationships with people and navigate communication based on, you know, how people, you know, and he learns all these different things and he's really good at it, dude. He's yeah. really good at it, man. And we all know that that's such a huge part of it, right? How many of those courses have you been to? None. <laughs> Me too. Right. right. But we know that if you throw, a good couple passes on somebody like uh, for a lot of people, you do a good couple, 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 um, passes of whatever type of tissue treatment you do some good, uh, generic pain-free movement. They're going to get better. Right. We, we know it. like, you know what right. I mean? Um, they're going to get better, but the difference between the difference can often be that connection that's built in the process. Right. And if that's the crux of it, why aren't we working there? Why aren't we studying there? And that's my problem that I face when I think about my own education. Like, I don't need to learn more about hypertrophy. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not even like, people come to me with hypertrophy goals, cool. Like, you know, that's, that's, that's way in the back end, dude. I'm gonna send them somewhere, like eventually, you know, I know enough, you know, uh, to, to, to be basic. And I think that stuff is important and I like it. I think yeah. it's cool, but, where do I need to spend my time learning stuff that will enable me to help the people that I want to help? And that's patient centered care. And we have to be honest with ourselves, look at ourselves and see that it's not about us. It's not about us and our hobbies and what we want to learn. If we truly want to call ourselves those kind of practitioners, we need to be working on our weaknesses and we need to look at ourselves in the mirror and see them, and be honest about them, right. move in that direction, man. Um, anyways, this is, that was just a little rant about where my head's at right now. I, no, and it's a good spot. And so like a lot of what I've learned, like the, the remedial functional medicine stuff, like all of that stuff is so that I have a better understanding of the person sitting in front of me. You know what I mean? Because I don't have a doctorate. I'm having to go out there and learn all this stuff myself so that I can see signs and symptoms. And if it's above my pay grade, then send them out to somebody, but then also when I'm sending them out to that professional, know enough to where if they're bullshitting my client or not, because that's a big part of this uh, small town living too, is that people want to rope, they want to rope people in to where they're just coming indefinitely because there's like a scarcity mindset going on where I'm at and where, you know, like the, the, uh, Oh, you need to do this lymphatic and liver treatment for six months and you have to come in alternating weeks and you have to do these IVs and all this stuff and it's going to cost you $3,000. And I'm like, well, is that necessary? You know what I mean? Like, what do like, cause no. I can, yeah. <laughs> right. So that's, so that's what I need. Right. I need yeah. to have that understanding where I'm like to where I can call them out on it and be like, that's not necessary. This is what, I believe my client needs and you can tell me 
what they what you can do for them and then we can work together instead of you just leading this person on down the primrose okay. path because you just want to keep making money off of them you know that's I mean? a heavy conversation that's that's a heavy conversation because um, because i mean we we you and i both know that that shit is rampant right right that shit's rampant like they they go home with fifteen hundred dollars worth of supplements they don't need right you know what i mean um or or whatever you know what i mean like that kind of stuff happens so part of it is man um you don't have to find practitioners that are advanced right right you need to know practitioners that are skilled in the basics and more often than not and, and this is i mean i don't i don't I, I, I rarely manage something that's nutritionally focused unless it's like super simple or if somebody refuses to go somewhere or I, I really just don't mess with it too much. I do basic stuff, right? Yeah. But you need a practitioner that's skilled in the basics right. because, because we know like just basic diet, exercise, stress management, you know, <clears throat> sleep. That's enough. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's, I'm, it's, I'm, it's a, <laughs> It's a major key to all of those problems that oftentimes are trying to be addressed um, with these um, these scare tactics, you know, right. like, you know, um, and if it's like if we're not if we're not taking care of the pillars of the house that are holding the house up, you know, why are we fucking worrying about like, um, you know, what I mean, what what color the tile is in the bathroom, you know, right. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And so, but, like, and so if you find those practitioners, what I'm saying is, though, if you find those practitioners that are rock solid in the basics and guiding those basics, that's often enough. Right. They just need to hear it from somebody that can, because what the, the, the biggest problem is, are they at minimum not harming them? Right. And not leading them astray. Because if they're not harming them and they're not ripping them off, right, they're right. not leading them astray. Right they're focused on the basics, but they're a clinician. And so they obviously know how to identify and navigate, um, um, you know, the more serious issues that can happen. Right. That's enough. And so you gotta need to know those guys and those guys aren't going to stand out to you. They're right. not going to stand out to me either, but they're going to be skilled and there'd be good people for you to co-manage with. You don't need to find some guy who's self-proclaimed all-star because most of the self-proclaimed all-stars just simply aren't, you know, right. and um, so that yeah. everything you just said was incredibly prevalent when I was coaching CrossFit all the time because those people would come in and they expect this high level of performance all the time. And then they, they come in and they, they work out shit and they feel terrible. How much water did you drink today? I didn't have any time to drink water. I was just drinking coffee. Okay. Did you have any food? Well, I had breakfast, but I didn't have a chance to eat lunch. Okay. So you're dehydrated and you didn't eat anything. How was your sleep last night? Oh, I was so stressed out. I didn't sleep at all. Cool. So that's why you're not performing well. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So then, yeah. but if you, if you take them out of that high performance context and then just normal everyday people, well, why am I so exhausted all the time? How come I have so much pain? What's well, because you're at the threshold of how much stress you and your body can handle. And so that's why you, you're, your pain sensitivity is going up. You're not drinking enough water. And I was just reading that book, Why We Sleep by Dr. Matt Walker. And I'm like, oh God, like, and I sleep pretty good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But if you're getting like five, six hours of sleep a night, or like I was talking to you about earlier when we started, like the, the shift workers, like paramedics, man, who mm-hmm. sleep maybe like three or four hours in a 48 hour period, like you're not feeling good. 
And that's why. And so like what you just said, like if you just kind of nail down the diet a little bit, nail down the sleeping patterns a little bit, and then have them drink a little bit more water, then they're usually feeling pretty good. And then our interventions help a lot more, you know, so that's basically, it's basically just kind of herding cats in a direction to make them feel a little bit better. And usually that solves a lot of stuff. And I think that that's uh, really helpful for uh, practitioners to kind of understand because that's what I start asking as soon as they come in, how much water did you drink today? And then they just like a lot of my clients, they're just like, I hear your voice in my head constantly asking me how much water I drank today. And I'm like, well, how much did you drink? Not enough. Okay. Well, drink some. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know like yeah, if, yeah. Your, if your tissues are hydrated then they feel better that's just the way it works so it's like i don't know that was just kind of a rant that i had to go on i felt like but anyway i hear you yeah, yeah. drink some water <laughs> drink a lot of water i feel kind of guilty <laughs> yeah i had a lot of coffee this morning I, I think i probably only had like one glass of water i don't know if i reached the standard of the Prescott standard. <laughs> well, shit. If, if you don't think that you have, you probably should drink a little more. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't you know, doubt it. I've been crushing coffee to, lately too, man. Like just like being an independent business owner is really stressful all the time. Mm. Trying to, and like this big thing that I've been, uh, so the guy that I run the gym with, we've been talking about this a lot. How do you influence people? to to even just come in and see you or to move better or to just adopt some kind of movement practice or to be more active or to eat more vegetables you know what i mean because i can just from my own life experience there's been times where i'm like if you have to think about the last time you had a vegetable you should probably eat more vegetables you know what i mean <laughs> i've gone like a week without eating vegetables I'm like oh shit i should probably get some, get on that a little bit you know so that's been uh that's a kind of a common narrative is how like influencing people through like social media posts because that's essentially like our advertising right or trying to get them to just do something in a direction like what are your thoughts on that i mean uh so um Set, let's separate the social media stuff and the influencing people like in a practice, right? Cause those are two different, two different types of things and approaches. Right. Um, but, um, I mean a problem that I find and that I've had myself and that I've seen in, um, for many people and then in the gym here is, um, we have this idealistic way of thinking, right? And we, we have this idealistic way that things should be. This is the way health should be. Yeah. This is how much water you should eat. This is how many vegetables you should have. This is how much you should exercise. This is how much you, you don't forget to meditate. Right. Um, you also have to like, there's all these, we build these checklists for people, right? Yeah. And um, did, the question that you have to ask yourself is what did they come there to you for that? Right. Sometimes they didn't dude. You know, sometimes it didn't come for all that, you know, and, and we know that we need, but we, but we know that, you know, that these things are important and we want to get them to do that. But if you lay all that out there, they will, and and you're trying to do it all at once. You know, all that you want to influence them, 
right? But if you lay all that out there and try to do all that at once, um, you're going to be setting them up for waking up and feeling like they're losing every single day. Right. Guess what? If they feel like every time they come in there, they've taken a loss, they're gone, dude. They're going to be like, I don't like this shit. I, I literally just want to work out, dude. So, yeah. you know, so if they just want to work out, then, you know, work within the realm of, of, of that, dude. Make sure that make sure that they're getting a good, safe, sustainable workout and then plant little seeds here and there. But you can't hold people uh, accountable for things that they don't want to be held accountable for. You'll just be forcing it. Now, influence, you know, you want to be a positive influence, but some people you just can't, you can't hammer them. I've seen it with coaches. I've seen it with, um, you know, coaches within the OPEC system, right? Where, um, which is not to hammer on that. This isn't about OPEX. I'm just saying that these people were working under that system, right? right? This person was an individual coach. It doesn't have to do with OPEX system being bad. It has to do with this person working in, you know what I'm saying? Yes. So, yeah. um, but I've seen, I've seen wonderful coaches in that system, but I've seen some, um, that just try to hammer too hard. It's like, they're trying to lay value, right? They're trying to, they're trying to give this person a double decker California burrito, right? right. Of, of value to try to and make themselves look smart and look at all the different things I can and look at all the things I can do for you. Um, but they end up setting the person up for a ton of losses. So, right. I mean, in my humble opinion, we need to keep it. Um, now, 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 even in, even for clinical practice, right? We we have to set people up for wins, man. Yeah, have to set them up for wins if we want to reinforce that positive uh, that positive feeling and then the positive progress. Now, some people you need to talk to them like shit, and you need yeah. to kick them in the ass. You know what right. I mean? But in a lot of cases, we need to, we need to, we need to make sure that people are stacking up wins, man. And we need to keep, we need to focus on that progress and, 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 and be positive and, and move in the right direction. If you try to th hammer everything on at once, man, um, a lot of times it's just going to backfire. So as far as influence people, man, first of all, you gotta, uh, you've got to address them. Yeah. You got to address what the fuck they're coming to you for, man. Right. You know, you got to address that. Their, their number one goal, the whole heart and soul of why they're fucking coming to you, man. Stay focused, practitioner. That's what you got to focus on. You right. know what I mean? You're seeing they're not drinking a bunch of water. Like, you know, obviously that's important. But if it's not super relevant to the scenario, right, stay fucking focused. You know? Right. Um, because because you don't want to, like I said, you don't, you don't want them to feel like they're taking an L unnecessarily. Right. And it's easy to make them feel like they're taking an L. Um, and then, you know, um, be subtle and navigate that process without uh, making them feel like they're losing all the time, making them feel like they're winning, make them feel like they're winning, man. You right. know? Yeah. And then, you know, I've seen that with a lot of coaches too, where they're coaching everyday people like they're professional athletes. Mm -hmm. And so this is all the stuff that you have to dial in to get that optimum performance. And so then, you know, so then that goes to the, that goes to the why, right? Uh -huh. So why are you doing that? So what does optimum performance mean for that person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Do they just want to feel better when they, you know, get out of their car? Like, you know, I work with, uh, I work with a lady who, um, you know, she just wants her knee to not be in pain. And then, so I'm just strengthening her knee and everything around it to, where she can walk down the stairs with her dog pulling on her 
to where she doesn't feel pain in her knee. That's what she wants. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be like, hey, you're kind of overweight. You need to, you know, so like dial it back, see yeah. what the person, you know, if they ask you, hey, what can I do to clean up my diet? Then you can give them suggestions, you know, but like for the most part, people just want to feel better. And, you know, when they come to us, they just don't want to be in pain anymore. So then like on my end, I just figure out the optimal way to keep them out of pain. And sometimes that's uh, clearing out a muscle dysfunction. Sometimes that's clearing out some scar tissue. Sometimes it's neurodynamic stuff. Sometimes it's managing inflammation with lymphatic stuff. Sometimes it's just getting them to do single leg deadlifts. You know, it's just, um, you know, and. You know, sometimes I, that will carry over. Yeah. Right? I'm right. all about a twofer. You know yeah you get a, if you can get a twofer <laughs> right you know what i'm saying like you know right. and that's what strength training is man strength yeah. training it's not like you know oftentimes unless there's a specific task involved right, right. oftentimes it's not they're in pain because they're weak and that's right. why we got to do this exercise it's that this exercise helps desensitize their pain but guess what it also improves their function right, right? so you get a twofer right, right. i just right. like saying it um, and, um, you know, so you can sprinkle in that stuff without having to, you know, try to overwhelm them. Right. Yeah. And then is it, so that's like a big part of, you know, me writing my own workout program is there's like, what are we trying to accomplish? Like if there's somebody who is a uh, shift worker, do they really need to be doing like competitive programming where they're doing three workouts and, and all their stuff is taking two and a half hours? Is that necessary or should we? Mm -hmm. down, right. Is it down, yeah. down regulating their nervous system and just getting them to move and feel better? Like what's, what are we? Well, doing? I mean, let's, let's back up on that. Like the, the reality of it is, is that complexity is usually created in, in, in our industry, not because people need it, but because um, people need to make a living. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the, 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 the sale of complexity is usually um, in order. Again, it's, it's, it's to make the person feel like they're getting value. It's, it's, you know, all that kind of, uh, it, it's to, it's, you're selling complexity. Right. You're selling this thing. Um, granted there is, there, it's also entertainment. The person needs to be entertained, right? right? Um, if we were realistically, if realistic program would probably be the fucking same all year long. Right. Right. But you can't make a lot of money off that as a trainer. No. You know? <laughs> or, or as an individual design, like remote programmer, right? Yeah. Like, you can't make a, yeah, like, like linear periodization is, is, you know, which works for everyone. And for, especially for a lot of, of everyday people who matter of fact, they don't even want to get better. They're just trying to like fight the downslope. Right. They just, they just know that they should move. So they're just out there getting moving a little bit. Right. You know? So I think like, I mean, some people have specific goals um, and that's fine. And, and that's often the case. Uh, actually that's not, I don't think that's very often the case. Most people just want to exercise and be fit. Or just, I mean, fight entropy. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and they don't want to think about it. And and they want to be entertained about it, man. It wants right. to be fun, you know. And so, and so that's it's okay to face that. It's okay to be like, oh, we're changing it up. It, it, it's okay to know that you're 
involved dude i think it's so much dude fitness is an entertainment industry whether we <laughs> want to admit it or not it really is and that's okay yeah. you know, just, know? It's, it's it's okay yeah. it's cool you know right. fix that you know majority of people don't want to go to the gym and think about what they have to do they just want to go and be like hey yeah. this is what you're doing okay cool and then they do it and then they go home yeah. and do whatever they want to throw they want to they want to feel good and give some fucking high fives you know <laughs> right. what I mean? like and if 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 you're not if you're not making them feel good stacking up wins give them a good workout that's sustainable not in pain and then fucking throwing high fives making them feel good you know what i mean building that camaraderie in there then then the shit's gonna fall apart now there's some weird these, these weird uh sadistic, sadistic people out there you know that that attract these people that I don't know why, but like to be uh, treated like shit. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, and or they're just, out there, but whatever. That's what they're fucking looking for. I don't know. Right, you right. know, or just feel trashed all the time or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But, like most of I, the time, you, but most of the time we just need to do sustainable, sustainable stuff, you right. know, and, and do a good general program and then entertain people with it. You know, I mean, like, it's it's really a lot more, it's really a lot more simple in my opinion that for 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 general population than it than it seems you know and 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 frankly why are these big companies succeeding so much out of it you know it's because they identify that you right. know they do that under granted not all of them are very sustainable but they do it knowing the background of what they need to accomplish and then throwing some idea behind it whether it's orange theory right or whether yeah. it's 45 or or fucking crossfit for that matter right you know what i mean or um you know like they it's really it's fucking it's cool it's fun entertainment i i, I enjoy being there we change it up keeps me keeps me excited it gets the people going you know yeah. gets people <laughs> fired up yeah yeah anyways that's fitness man and that's like um, I, I see it a lot in, in, you know, and I see a lot of people in fitness and stuff like that, but to be honest, like that's a conversation for somebody else. That's for sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I get it right on, man. We just blew through a whole hour, dude. So, uh, what, uh, I know what books are you reading right now? Um, I, it's funny. I, I, I hammered a lot of books last year. I've been really slow this year with reading. Um, my new thing is, is that, I read in the beginning of the year, I read my top three books from the previous year. Mm. And so um, I read, um, and if there's a different translation or a different edition of it, I'll read that one. So like, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the same thing, but just got a little refreshed. So um, the first book I read this year was uh, Meditations Marcus Aurelius, but I read a different translation. Yeah. Um, I read a Penguin Classic version. And then um, I'm reading um, The Courage to Be Disliked, the other one that I sent you before, yeah. uh, which is, I mean, it's phenomenal. But um, I, I just, I've been reading, these books are like, dude, Meditation Marks really is that, that this last one was 188 pages, Yeah. right? You can't read that fast. I mean, you can, but like, dude, it just, every, every page is a bomb. You know, yeah. so you kind of have to like cruise through it, dude, you know? Yeah. It's same with this one right now. And then the next one that I'm going to be reading is um, uh, Epictetus's Discourse, right? Because um, I read The Art of Living, um, which is like a, a various uh, pieces of uh, works by Epictetus. And um, so now I'm reading like 
um, his entire discourses and in, in his and I don't remember exactly how to say it, but I'm I'm going on to that next. Yeah. But this whole, anyways, this whole year, bro. Um, I'm gonna tell you about it. This whole year is all about fucking old books. Interesting. Okay. And so, because so, that's kind of where I'm at too. Where you know, the last two years, I was just hammering out books like it was my job, and now, yeah, yeah. And you uh, are realizing that that a lot of them are shit and don't deserve to be read. Right. And so that was like the other thing that right, I realized least, is that I deserve to be read fast. Yeah. So why am I why am I reading like why am I forcing myself to read a book that I don't want to read? Because it's yeah. like I don't want to read it, like, yeah. and, and that's so I when you read, blog. that's yeah. So that's something. <laughs> <laughs> so that's something that I have been um, really understanding is like when you read more, you're going to run across a bunch of books that you don't like, and it's okay to not read them. Like, yeah, put that bitch cause, down. Because the majority of the time, like if you read like the first two chapters, that's mm-hmm. like the book. And so you're just, okay, so that's why the book is boring because they're just repeating a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And so other times it's just not good. It's just not good. And yeah. it's okay to put it down. And so um, that's interesting that you say that, picking up old stuff. Cause, well, um, well, so this, here's, here's, it's not just rereading old books. Yeah. What I mean by that is my goal is to read books that are 500 years old or older. Right. Right. So yeah. um, I noticed that a big part of what I read last year that I really liked or, or, or for that matter, reading about old, very influential people, right. right? Reading biographies. Um, but I mean the, so I read this book last year by Mortimer Adler called, um, called, uh, how to read a book. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but anyways, this is a great book, but in the back, he, he talks about, you know, being, um, being well-read versus widely read. And he talks about the influential books that have influenced the great thinkers, right? And talks about, you know, these, these books that have been around for thousands of years that are continuing to be around and that these great thinkers continuously reference them, right? And if we can only read a finite number of books in our lifetime, which is true, that, um, then, then, you know, there's always room for new books, but we should definitely, you know, try to read some of these old classics, man. And so I took that to heart and it made perfect sense to me because what I liked about what I read last year, oftentimes were either old books or books about old dudes, you know? And so this year I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm going to try to go deep into, um, I'm going deep into the old books and, and a, lot, a lot of philosophy, you know, um, and, and, and whatever kind of, stuff like that you know yeah and so anyways 500 years and older bro that's where i'm trying to that's where i'm trying to hang my hat for right now so i've got like a bunch of stuff on deck for uh, with that regard you know yeah and i like it and i think uh just even old books that you had like when i some books that i read two years ago that i really liked i might understand them a lot differently now because i have a different understanding of the world based off of based off of when i read that one so Absolutely. And, and to, your, to your effect, I, I finally was able to do what you were talking about and put a book down because I, I, I've only been really reading consistently um, like outside of academia for the last like three, four years, man. Like, you right. know, yeah. and so it was a big hurdle for me. I was never a reader. And so I was just like um, kind of training to read. And so every book was still kind of a competition for myself. It was like, yeah. no, you're not putting it down. You're going to tough it out. You're going to start with, you're going to finish what you started type deal. But then last year I was like, I got to a point where I was like, man, I, I'm hammering books. I'm like, 
And I finally settled in, like, I don't need to read this thing if I don't want to read it. So if I feel like I don't like a book, I'll wait to like the hundredth page and then I'll set it down and then I'll put yeah. it aside. And I did that for, with a couple books last, last, and I, I mean, I'm at a point now where I can read relatively fast so I can get through yeah. hundred pages pretty fast. So it's, just, you know, a couple of days and I, and I know whether I want to continue to read it or not, but that was a big hurdle, bro. Yeah, it is. And because I was never a big reader either. And, you know, once I started my massage therapy career, then I was really finally for the first time in my life interested in education because I started to aim basically like, what do I want to learn? Why do I need to learn this? And why is this important to me? And so now that I have an aim, then I'm, you can start to pick books that are helping you aim better and get more information that you need as it pertains to what you're trying to learn at that moment. And mm -hmm. so then I'm super obsessed with reading. And then, so now I'm like going towards the other direction where I'm like, Ugh, I don't really want to read that much. So I'm trying to pick stuff that's really valuable for me. And if I'm, like you said, if you read the first hundred pages and it's not valuable, then life is short, man. You got to You got to mix it up too. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, um, so I have like my little strategy of, um, if I read a big, big book or if I read a book that, you know, I have to kind of grind through where it's like, you know, you got to take it slow or just, you no, know, it, it's, we're all always trying to read books that are a little bit more challenging for us. Right. Because that's right. what makes us better. Right. After I read one of those, man, I read easy win. you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I read one of those little bite sized, you know, 200, 250 page, you know, like something new or something like that. I'll read something like that or, or maybe even a couple of them just to, right. <clears throat> just to, to, um, to, you know, get a couple wins, you know, before I dive into something a little bit thicker, a little more, more gangster, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like That's I've good. got, I've got uh, I'm going to read Epictetus discourses next. That one that I told you about um, those, you can't help it. You kind of have to read slow, but then I have a, uh, a couple um, easy wins lined up after that. And then I'm going to dig into Plutarch's lives. Yeah. Uh, um, and that's like fucking 1300 pages of like, small print. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I'm, you know, being right now, my new thing is being an advocate for stress management. So I'm learning more about stress and those books are not fun to read. You're not like, yeah, I'm going to go yeah. read about the mechanism of stress and how it affects the body. You know, like yeah. you have to really grind your way through that stuff because it's not fun, you know, and then, um, you know, all those other, like the mindset books are always really fun to read and they're always a really quick read and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, starting to understand a lot more about business stuff. And that's really helpful too, because it's exciting because you're, you know, I'm five years in almost six years in and I'm still building a business. It's still, you never stop building a business. So that's like mm -hmm. really exciting stuff. But then going back into the anatomy and physiology stuff, you're just like, okay, here we go. You know, Dude, most business books should just be a fucking blog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's like, like those are the, those are the worst, man. Like, I mean, there's obviously some classics that are awesome, but like, because now books are essentially marketing material, you right. know, so many books, business books that come out are just, they just should have been a fucking blog, man. Like, yeah. like you, this could have been a YouTube video, like, you, know <laughs> I mean? like, you know, like, um, I mean, granted there's some, so when it comes to that stuff, man, I honestly, I wait till I hear reviews from colleagues that really recommend it and stuff like that. I'll go run out and buying business books and stuff like that. Cause I've read, I've read, ran through so many of them. A lot of them say the same shit. A lot of them are just marketing material. Yeah. Um, I, I become really disenchanted. It, it frankly, I guess, you know, none of that stuff makes me a better person, you know? Right. Um, and so, I mean, 
now don't get me wrong like i still read business material and stuff like that i'm still trying to do it but it gets so repetitive when i read man like um i don't know maybe i'm not trying to sound like all big and like oh i'm just above it but like literally what what is when i when i think about it like um what of this if you if i'm a better person my business is going to grow and i and i'm going to be more accountable i right. already know what to do i'm going to do it i'm right. gonna i'm gonna get after you know what i mean like I, i'm still i'm still not great at the business basics i still need to work on that and the hardest part for me is just you know, building better relationships being more accountable and hammering right. through it and getting it done um but you know i'm 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 very much more interested in reading things that are going to make me a better person or at least help me have a better understanding of the world, you yes. know? And so I've just been, and, and, and so like those mindset books, those motivational books, some of those are cool, but have you noticed the trend in all those? They all reference a bunch of old books. Yeah. And yeah. yeah people that have that, that the shit figured out for a long time. Right. So I, I, I'm just trying to read those ones, man. You know what I mean? That's what, that's the trend that you notice in those books. Like they, talk about all those books man it's like oh, okay these mindset books. those so those are good bite-sized pieces that you get into you know like that that's why i like like um the daily stoke or excuse me um uh, obstacles way by ron holloway holiday yeah. right great book his new one stillness is the key the, the egos i mean those are all great books they're little i call the, those are like philosophy 101 stoic philosophy yeah. 101 courses well because for he you to, for yeah. you to dig in them you know now it's time to dig in now let's pick up meditations. Now let's pick up, uh, you know, uh, Sen Seneca's letters of a stoic and let's dig into them. Cause bro, like that shit's hard, man. And that's, that's why you have, you know, uh, that's why you have people that like great men that you've heard of that have been talking about it through the centuries, you know? Right. And, and so, and yeah. the way that Ryan holiday and Robert green work is they go through and read hundreds of books so that they can write that one so that you don't have to read those hundreds of books. So, right. Like, like Robert Greene's books are a perfect example. They're just a larger scale of what Ryan holiday does. And he worked on right. Ryan holiday, yeah. worked on it. but yeah. which is awesome. Right. That's, that's badass. I like, I like that. And I like those synopsis of it, man. But like, man, I'm, I, I, I want to read that stuff. Right. You know, yeah. and so that's kind of the direction I'm trying to to move in now. We only have such limited time to read and stuff like that. But I don't know, yeah. man. That's my little random trip uh, yeah. down down that right now. I like it, dude. I like it. Well, it was good hanging out, man. Yeah. I don't I don't get to come out to San Diego as much as I used to be able to. So it's good to, to catch up with you. I know we got to get you back out here have another one of those burgers, man. Yeah, dude. I love burgers. Mm. <laughs> All right, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, my pleasure, brother. Miss you, man. Talk to you soon.